0: Dear listeners, Sai Ram, we now bring you Vahini Satsang. Today's episode was first aired on the 26th October 2017 as part of Thursday live programs on Asia Stream of Radio Sai. This program was hosted by Bishu and Sai Prakash of Team Radio Sai.
1: Saram dear listeners and welcome once again to Vahini Satsang. This is the 38th episode of this series and we are discussing the 13th chapter of Prema Vahini. By Bhagwan's grace, for the last two sessions, we have been having Professor Venkatraman for this program. That is since we started chapter 13 and thanks to some of your feedback mails dear listeners wherein you expressed your happiness to listen to Professor once again after a long gap. Sir also is very happy to share his reflections. In fact, as the birthday approaches, there is a lot of work that demands his attention, but Sir has kindly come today too for this session. Thank you very much, Sir, for making it convenient to come once again.
2: Thank you for having me, tolerating me.
1: And, dear listeners, we have a pleasant surprise. We also have today joining us in the discussion Dr. Shivisankar Sai, the former warden of Sri Satisai Hostel for Senior Students, Prashant Nilam campus, and currently the Dean of Sciences of Sri Satisai Institute of Higher Learning. Welcome, sir, to this program. Thank you. I'm honored. So, dear listeners, with prayers to Bhagwan, we will begin this session. So the last time we were discussing the third segment of the 13th chapter of Prema and uh, there were many points that came up in the discussion. Brother Sai Prakash also was there and in fact we could not exhaust everything that uh, we wanted to convey so today let's listen to that segment once again and then probably i will in one or two minutes just summarize what we discussed last time and then we will leave it to professor venkatraman and dr Shiv sai
3: to take the session forward atti pavitra manavaru kondaru kotti atti tukkule mana dikkani మార్వేచున ఈ తుక్కుని పాశ్చాత్య దేశీయరు పరిశీలించి పరిశోధించి వాటిలోని అద్వితీయ తేజః పుంజములను బ్రహ్మమణి రాజములను గ్రహించి కన్నుల గద్దుకొని శిరమునందుంచుకొని తమ జాతులకు అమూల్య ఆలంకారముగా చేసుకొని భారత ఖండమకిచ్చిన విలువలెరుగని ఆస్తి ఇది అని సముద్రం దాటిపోవు మహా పట్టజాలన అట్టి భారతయ విడ్ల చేతున్నారు చపన ఆ चपना आ ग्रंथमुले చూసుటేలే వినుట లేదు తలసుటలే కోటి కొక్కడైన వాటిి చధిన వానిని మూడని పోతు తలు తితున్నారు అవి వట్టి తప్పుడు తరకల తున్నారు వాటిన వించిన గరంతకర్త వరని వాధింతున్నారు. అట్టి పవతర భాషా దైవ ాషాయన సంకరతం అ్యసం చవసినవారు అ కష్టమనని the
0: sacred texts of india which are discarded by the indians today are picked up by the westerners and diligently studied and researched upon realizing that it enshrines Incomparable sources of illumination and priceless pearls of wisdom they lift it reverentially above their heads and acclaim it as the precious gift of Bharat to themselves and their children. They carry it across the seas with joy in their eyes and thankfulness in their hearts. Now shall I reveal what the children of India who are the rightful owners of this have been doing? they neither look up these pages, nor listen about them, nor even concern themselves about them. One in a million reads them, but even he is ridiculed. These books are laughed at as a conglomeration of lies and legends, and they argue about their authorship and historicity. Instead of learning the sacred language Sanskrit, they dismiss it as very hard to learn and pass on the treasure to scholars of other lands. What a sad spectacle is this. It would have been some compensation if they attended carefully to the study of their mother tongue. But they do not do even this. There is sheer neglect of learning and as a result lack of peace everywhere.
1: So that is what Bhagwan has written in the third segment of the 13th chapter of Premavahini. And as I mentioned, we started the discussion on this last time and uh, Professor Venkatraman mentioned how uh, the theme of this segment is neglect. And I remember, sir, you mentioned that initially it was neglect and then people later on, they not only neglect it, they forget it, they finally they trash it and now it comes to a point where they are ridiculing it. But you gave three significant points uh, uh, when you analyze the situation and, and the contributions that sages and saints have made to our past. You said our ancients gave us a formula to maintain moral equilibrium in society and that for this moral equilibrium you mentioned is duty and then came the final point where you said that this duty has to have the fragrance of prema and no one is exempt from duty duty the hue and the color of it might change but duty doesn't change and then you mentioned about this five types of duty that Bhagwan mentions The Rishi Yagna where basically we offer our gratitude to our ancestors for giving us these Dharma Shastras and the Upanishads and the body of principles to guide man's life as each one strives to attain the final goal of self-realization. Then you mentioned about the Pitru Yagna where... We have to pay our gratitude and we have our duty towards our parents as Bhagwan says, food do, head do, blood do, dud do, do. We have all these responsibilities. The parents have brought us up. We have to show them gratitude in so many ways. Then you mentioned about the Deva Yagna, basically referring to the bounties of nature, how the worship of the sun god and the moon god it's all basically showing gratitude to everything god has conferred to us in the form of nature and one other very beautiful thing i read about this where Bhagwan mentions in a discourse is in our body in our every organ and limb there are presiding deities swami says in the form of rasa and that is why these deities are called angi rasas they're presiding deities okay. of the Angas. Angas. And Swami says, so these deities in the subtle form protect the organs concerned and we have to express gratitude to them in the form of deva-yajna. And then you mentioned the fourth, which is the duty towards our guest, which is called manusia-yajna. We have to respect everyone. And finally, the duty towards nature, the bhuta yagna. And as you said, that was the custodian. We have to be the custodian of the planetary ecosystem. And Bhagwan mentions how unconsciously we hurt so many insects and microorganisms during our daily work. And we have to atone for that sin. The rishis, in fact, used to maintain uh, in their ashrams so many animals, they would offer food to the cows the deer and in fact in our traditional homes also we see that many many mothers would first offer something to um, you know the insects and they would put something out of the window to just to offer or put something on the parapet wall for the crow or you know for other organisms and so that somehow is there in our culture this whole concept of bhuta yagna and then as you mentioned about duty, you, you refer to the three strands connected to duty, which is the karma, bhakti, jnana. And you explained with a very beautiful example of how we can do our duty with karma, bhakti and jnana. Now the question, sir, as we discuss about so many facets of this duty, what is the duty that we have Towards our future generation, if something we have to convey to our youngsters of the generation of today, you know, they say they'll say, yeah, we cannot read all the scriptures. Uh, there is so much there, and we, yeah, we don't understand Sanskrit. And it's a fast-paced world. It is everything is fast, fast food, to <laughs> fast trains, to everything. In fact, other day I was reading the Elon Musk, who is the CEO of SpaceX. He says that you know. Um, they are they are working on to fly people in space rockets from New York to London in just 29 minutes <laughs> that is the new technology they are working so we are in such 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 a fast world uh, whatever this fastness means so what what is it that uh, we can do now if the youngsters um, were to put this question, sir, what is it that we can really do now in this uh, world which is so different from our world of uh, sages and saints what would be your uh, advice to them, sir?
2: I am reminded (coughs) of what in America, excuse me, what in America is called commencement address. In India, we have the convocation of a university towards the end of the academic year when students go out. There, <clears throat> they do it differently. They have it at the beginning of the year so that new students are there oh. and the others are going out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, this is in the United States. I don't know what is the situation in UK and other countries. So, this commencement address is a big deal. One fellow came and gave a uh, commencement address that was totally unique. Mm-hmm. He said, young students... I've come here to tell you that me and my generation have created one unholy mess. (laughs) I'm handing the can to you. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I mean, in a way, you don't have to think of the future. The only people who think about it are conservative economists in the United States. And uh, the conservative philosophy is the government must get out of everything.
3: Hmm.
2: Then the government does not spend. <laughs> then the government does not have to <clears> have to, uh, give, uh, levy taxes. So, you are free, you have got your gun, you have no more <laughs> taxes to pay and so on. Hmm. On the other hand, if the government has to launch many development projects, the government does not have money. Hmm. <clears throat> you can say government can print money, government cannot print money. Very few people know that. In every country, there is a bank. In England, it's the Bank of England. In India, it's the Reserve Bank. A bank. And the United States, there is a Federal... Uh, what you are, I forget the name of the... Uh, uh,
3: federal
2: Bank of... No, 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 no. Federal Reserve. No, no. no. There is a... Uh, now, because of age, I'm forgetting the name. Federal Reserve. Yes. That's what they call. And they print the bank, uh, Man- this thing. And nowadays, they don't even do that. When the uh, Federal Reserve gives loan to the United States government, it's a computer key, it's pressed and money is transferred. It exists in uh, some <laughs> data space. Mm. The point is, the government borrows from a banker. Just as I go to some bank or the other, which I don't, by the way, to get loans. Mm. As I am offered it every day. <laughs> 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 Ten <laughs> mails come to me, I, I delete all of them one <laughs> by one. So, they have to borrow. Mm. Now, they can simply say, go to hell, I am not paying. They can do that because it is in their currency. Previously, they could not do that because there was the international gold standard. In Nixon's era, they went back from gold standard to dollar standard. But if they do that, then what happens is, the government loses credibility. You borrowed money and you did not pay. So, they cannot pay back to the Federal Reserve in some sort of computer dots, they have to actually collect money and give it back. So, the, how do they collect money? By taxes. Taxes. Okay. Now, if you spend in the name of uh, development by borrowing from the Federal Reserve, tomorrow you have to give that money back. You can also borrow from other countries by having bonds. Now, if you don't do that, your country's bonds become junk bonds. So, there are economic consequences. So, they keep saying, our grandchildren will have to carry the debt burden and so on.
0: Mm.
2: They are talking about debt, debt burden. But today's children are dying of diseases, cancer <laughs> and so on. They don't want to spend money on this thing. Mm. So, here, you, by that time, you don't know how much of pollution will be there and all that. The grandchildren will have to, be to eat polluted food, breathe polluted air, drink polluted water. Unless you take care of it now. What My grandchildren, happen? sir, now so we are doing. Basically, yeah, now, now we, are, we are facing that. <laughs> I don't want to remind me. <laughs> Remember all that. Luckily, you have to drink more water than I have to. <laughs> so, the duty to the future does not rely on giving them long, boring speeches. They have no need for that. What do I do to leave them a better place to live in? in the united states in the old days there was a sort of thumb rule people came absolutely with nothing in their pocket they worked hard they gave education to their children and every children as a generation was able to live better than its parents now the whole thing has been turned in such a way the future generations thanks to economy and all that will have a worse of life mm. so keeping that in mind what are the things i can do to make sure their life is a little better. That is what really I have to do. The least I can to do do is to produce less pollution physically. Then I can also pollute the mind with all sorts of poisonous stuff so that the people just uh, don't bother. Now, one of the problems that has come up these days is the opioid crisis. It's a big story in America. 200 people die every day, single day <laughs> due to drug addiction. That drug addiction has come in a peculiar way. A Lot of people have pain and it's very, they take a lot of medicines and all that. If you can't bear the medicine, you take a drug. <laughs> and then the companies have flooded the market with drug. You can go and buy it with some fake thing, And they made a big money and there is there are congressional hearings of how many millions, hundreds of millions oh. of dollars they have made and people die. So, why do you create a situation like this? So, somewhere, all these things happen for two reasons. One is, the poor do it so that they can get money. In Afghanistan, that was the situation. They, that place is very fertile. They could have a lot of orchards in the old days. We used to get the fruits from the Afghanistan. Afghanistan. In Delhi, you could get what is called Kabuli Anar. Pomegranates came from Kabul. Kabul, Kabul it is from there very good, extremely uh, delicious. i eaten them in the pre-war days. I lived Mm -hmm. in Karachi and all that. But then problems came and they found that it was easy to grow poppy, from which you get heroin. And uh, due to the war, there was no economy. So, they made poppy, they sold it through drug mafia and they get money. It's very difficult to do that. In India, drug production is controlled. For medicinal purposes, certain areas, they have license. Only there they can do. It's very strict control. They, you can't buy, buy uh, morphine and all in the market. Yeah, in uh, the open market, you can't. Oh, you simply can't. And uh, they are available only in a few places like cancer hospitals and all this. It's not available. Now. But then, if you deny, those people do it. The rich people say, this is a market, let me invest in this. Return on investment is very high. Very high. We spend $10, I get $1,000 and all that. It came to a state where one kilo of heroin or something was worth more in Australia than in America, <laughs> because Australians are becoming rich. They wanted to get a, find new ways of excitement. So both ways you suffer, and at the end of the day, it is always the, the snake has got two mouths; sits at both ends, but <laughs> still the, rest of the first are in the middle. Mm. So what are we going to do? <laughs> That's the question. I will end this segment. Uh, big passion mm-hmm. with a small comment. In economics, there is a thing called free riders' problem. Free mm-hmm. rider is you want something, everything free. So no free so, lunches, they say. <laughs> that is a different thing. This is a free rider. Rider. The free lunch is a different story. There ain't no free lunch. It is true. Okay, you can't uh, do commit sin and get away with it. That's different. Free rider is as follows. <laughs> If you go to him and say, help me with this, solving this problem, he'll say, hey, this is a silly problem. do you, Buddhi why do you come and disturb me? So, you get out. That is a very big problem. You go to the same free rider, it's a very big problem. Oh yes, it's really a very big problem. You see, so many big people have tried to solve this. They have not been able to solve. How do you think I can solve? <laughs> so, <laughs> either way, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I, 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 I leave me alone. Everybody finds some excuse or the other for this thing today. Even when it involves that to say Swami's work. Then what happens? So, we talk of duty, but we don't talk about dodging duty. That is the problem. So, how many people are prepared to look at it? And every day, I find that people forget the essence of duty, spirit of duty. They talk tons about Swami. They have never watched Him doing duty and then we get lost in something like, uh, I hate to say it, but I have to say it, Swami's experience. Nobody knows what Krishna says about duty in Bhagavad Gita. He says, Arjuna, all the worlds belong to me. I don't have any duty. I own everything. You don't have to give me anything. But when I come with a body, I act as if I have a duty so that you will see me and don't think I lie on my snake sofa with a remote and change change channels. (laughs) I'm putting it bluntly and crudely, but that's it. No, he comes and does duty. Even in this avatar, He says that in a discourse given on the last part, uh, one day of the 1974 summer course in Vrindavan, before before the hostel was built Mm in that small pond, you know, that pond. He says that. So, we don't pay attention to that. Duty should be my spontaneous nature and it will be curbed by selfishness on one hand and what you call uh, difficulties on the other both of which make me forget God. Sorry, that was a bit long. No, no, no yeah. I, I
1: think that... that I
2: have that weakness. So, we have to, you have to find ways of shutting me up. No, that is your strength, <laughs> sir. That is your
1: strength. <laughs> In fact, as you mentioned about duty, I am just reminded of how uh, Bhagwan so beautifully explained the essence of Bhagavad Gita. By uh, referring to the opening shloka and the closing shloka of Bhagavad Gita, and Mama Dharma. Mama Dharma. Beautiful. Uh, and that is the essence of Bhagavad Gita, Swami said. Mama Dharma.
2: But I want to know how many people know what is the meaning of Mama yes. Dharma. Yes. Yet. What do you understand by mama dharma? Yes, sir. You should share, sir. <laughs> you, you, you better ask that question. You are the professor. Professor, don't have to answer. See, they don't have to know the answer they, Until know they, know. they are correcting the answer paper. You give, don't give me one second. Go to court. This professor doesn't know. It. <laughs>
4: Swami tells it as uh, atma dharma. The Mama Dharma in the normal sense that, yes. you know, you do whatever is uh, the ordained.
2: Yes. Thing. This Atma Dharma, I have heard of Dharma, I have heard of Atma, you are bringing marrying the two. What is this Atma Dharma? What, what
4: I understand, what Swami brings it down to the uh, level of uh, our, our own understanding is that what is ordained, what is good for the people and what actually inspires you to do
2: is, Swami says, Atma-Dharma. Fam- what I want to know is, you have brought the word Atma there. What does it do? Why can't you give some other name? Uh, Swami Krishna. Yeah, sir. No, I,
4: I have to learn, of course, from you, sir.
2: (laughs) I'm being heard. No, I will sue you for saying that. I never taught you. (laughs) sir. uh, No, I'm mentioning all this because because tomorrow it's very important for us to understand. Not that. Tomorrow, if this discussion arises somewhere, yes. you will remember all the scolding I gave. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I do remember. So, you're, you're, all your lawyers are going to attack me. That doesn't matter. <laughs> uh,
4: Swami uh, relates that Atma Dharma to the Uh, Sudharma or the Dharma which is actually will be helpful for the entire society sir. As I understand Swami does not
2: only give that uh, Atman, Brahman Wait a minute, wait a minute. We started with some reference to duty. Duty, From there we have somehow uh, got into the island of Atma Dharma and you are trying to take me to other dharmas and all (laughs) that. What has that got to do with duty? You dropped, you mentioned one word but it went off very fast. Like a tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Chapter, that that what
1: inspires us uh, from from within. From within. I think, yeah, whatever... uh, I I remember once when we asked Swami, what is Punyam and what is Papam? Uh, In a class interview, Swami said, anything that takes you closer to God caught that is punyam anything that takes you far from God no, you are taking now me far from the discussion.
2: no I am not I am re- coming there to that there are only two answers <laughs> it is evasive or it is no. something else you don't know
1: <laughs> no uh, to, to my knowledge
2: ok uh, let me just stop yes. here yes, the sir. clock is going on we all talk about ignoring our literature culture teachings all that yes that shows up here. That shows up here. But I am not complaining. I am talking about something which is very important. Dharma is to be equated with duty. If you go on duty, duty involves an action. Sir, Actions have to be executed by a body. There are two or three fundamental ways in which the body can be used in order to perform an action. Mm-hmm. First is to speak. Words is one way of converting a thought into action. The other is physical activity that involves the hands, legs, etc., etc. So, there is a connection between action and thought and giving expression to the thought via speech or bodily actions. Okay. Now, where does Dharma come in this? That comes in, in qualifying the action. Mm -hmm. Is the action dharmic? That's the first question. Because, God always comes when but Dharma declines etc. etc. So, somewhere or the other, there's a connection between God and Dharma. That's the reason Krishna, God himself has said so. Yes. Okay. So now, if that action must be dharmic, there must be some specification. Mm-hmm. Now Krishna gives those specifications and he says, at times you must pause and ask a question. Is it this or that? So if it all these boxes are ticked, Ticked, you can sort of say it is likely to be dharmic. If these are ticked, it's not dharmic, it's a dharma. The and says destiny has played see actually Arjuna asked the question, what is my duty? Is the, not fighting is my duty or fighting is my duty. If I look at it one way, this is this looks to me dharma, that looks like my dharma when I look at it the other way. So please tell me clearly what exactly my duty yes, is. That's the question. He doesn't say whether to fight or not fi- fight. Hmm. Explain to me in no uncertain terms. So Krishna says, "You are a soldier. Destiny has made you a soldier. You, are you have warrior. to perform the duty, and your job is to fight for the cause of dharma." See, so, this is a dharma yuddham. You are the team dharma; they are team adharma. And I will come and support you. I won't participate, but I will be supporting you. You have my goodwill, blessings, etc. So, after saying that, going round and round in many ways, she says, Do the duty to which you are born. That is to say, where destiny has placed you. If destiny has made a teacher, be a good teacher. Don't sort of uh, uh, bunk class and sell real estate. <laughs> okay? That is being done these days. So, that's not duty. Second thing he says, do your warrior's duty. Don't talk like a sannyasi. You are not a sannyasi. So, sannyasi is someone else's duty, another body's duty, human being. That is called Sparadharma. Your dharma is Swadharma. Do the duty to which you are born. <laughs> so, he introduces the word Swadharma. Now, what is the basis of Swadharma and so on? Krishna doesn't say anything. Only Swami has said it. No one else on earth has said it. Hmm. Swami said, the reference for Swadharma is Atma Dharma. The Swadharma is implemented on the basis of a thought from the mind. So, you have the instrument, you have the source of thought, engine of thought. What about Atma Dharma? Is there any source book library for Atma Dharma? That is the Atma in you. So, Mamadharma means one seeing it in one way, doing my duty, and the reference is Atma Dharma. To put it differently, as Swami says, Atma Dharma is the Adharam. Swadharma, as implemented by a body with senses and all that, is Adhim. So, Krishna only compares his duty with somebody else's duty. Swami says, there is a Paradharma in this case. That is an extremely subtle point. Because you as a person can stretch from here to here. North Pole to South Pole, so to <laughs> say. South Pole is totally egoistic. swartham saprayadhanam. North Pole is totally free when you come through Prakriti, you will have Swartam sapraya, you know That's part of the, uh, what you call, occupational hazard. Okay. <laughs> it's there. But nothing says you should be there. I have given you all the tools to go from here to here. It will take some time. So, go on decreasing the swartham Saprayajanam you know, and increasing the purity. It take many Janmas. So, this is the lower eye, that is the higher eye. So, your paradharma is that of the lower ego clouded self. Atma dharma is this. That is mama. And this is not really mama. So you must go from here to the realization I am the atma. Till then, you just say the atma is like a lighthouse, I must go towards the lighthouse. You shouldn't go the other way. I remember seeing a film many, many years ago with Bob Hope, or two fellows. They are stranded, they are floating in a boat. It's going. And Bobov says, hey, look at your compass, where are we going? He said, we are, I don't have a compass. I gave you one. He said, I threw it. He said, why did you throw it? it is always showing north, whereas we want to go south, Is <laughs> and And that was a political comment. So, today's man is like that. All this thing about, you know, not looking at the Bhagavad gita is like that. <laughs> you don't throw away the compass, keep the compass, and keep looking at it. So, seen that way, you now have a basis for saying, this is right, this is not right. Sometimes that division becomes very difficult. And so, Buddhi must be sharper and sharper. That is where Buddhi comes. In the second chapter of the Gita, first chapter, Krishna says, You're the Atma. The, uh, Juna is dumbfounded. He couldn't care less. So, <laughs> what is this he's saying? Anyway, what you are you saying next? Then he says, You must discriminate. Discriminate. Not racial discrimination and uh, <laughs> caste discrimination. Discriminate between good, good and, and bad. bad. So, that requires some reference. So, that is where the role of the Atma Dharma becomes important and that discrimination must be sharpened. There are many ways of sharpening that tool and the end game is, end game is I shed all my swartam of yes. and become acceptable to God and He says, I can give you grace mark even if you are come part of the way, I pull you. You love me. That's all. That's the long and short of it. Long and short. That Difference between good and bad, evil and what you call <coughs> uh, nobility or whatever it is, that doesn't change with time. It is always there, just as Swartam and Suprajanam are always there. That will always be there. So that is the eternal value. Mm-hmm. It was there in, uh, when man. Came evil out. of those days and then evil See, of uh, the, today? I say evil is with the mind. Mind is there, was there when man appeared and it will be there till he gets liberated. Otherwise, through cycles of dharma, birth, it will continue. And like stock market, it may go, it may come down, but it should not go down and disappear. You must make an effort to come up and up and up. That will happen if I realize my duties and I try to do it. Every janma is an opportunity. See, in the cricket team, if you don't bear too well, you'll be thrown out. Here, you're allowed to come again and <laughs> have a try. But selectors will select you. Yeah. Okay, sir, I've taken too, many time, too much time. But I managed two responses in <coughs> yes, 10 minutes. I think, is that clear to you? Yeah, yes, sir. I think, I mean, the. You, you ask the listeners whether they really <laughs> understood what I said. So uh, that is a test. Yeah. But if you tell me whom you're asking, I'll give them some presents. <laughs> I mean, Rigged election. <laughs> the, the bottom line
1: of uh, uh, what we need to do and constantly, I think, um, an introspection that we can do every day as we are
2: doing our daily tasks. No, I, that should not be done that way. You don't do an introspection. You. As you write, yes. See, when you write a question paper, answer Correct. yes. As before you go to the next question, just check it. Yes. So, yeah. unless uh, you, you can't uh, go go in a plane without compass and maps. Correct. And then after eight hours, you say I have I gone to London. No, you have <laughs> gone to Nairobi. <laughs> so uh, you make a, so. Yes the constant correction yes. which now is possible with GPS, mm. which is a more advanced, it, mm. it tells you mm. exactly how far away Yes, we must have a moral, moral We have the God positioning system. <laughs> that is the Atma positioning system. <laughs> moral compass. So, yes. yeah. so, that's a good word. You can patent <laughs> it. But then, we uh, don't bother about it. Yeah. No, In fact, that a, is where the problem comes and yes. people say, There is no God, there is no Atma, so there is no GPS. I can Hmm. do what I want. Hmm. Then comes the problem, as I talked last time. Absolutely. I mean, very difficult to bring in
1: any semblance of morality in society, if you uh, um,
2: strip uh, spirituality out of it. Spirituality. It's not a spirituality. I don't believe in that sort of dogmatic view. If there is goodness in the heart, automatically I am spiritual. Yes. So, By spirituality, we mean we should believe in truth, we should believe in pure love. We should look, believe in, that is yeah. where I disagree. Yes. You start in all those axioms. Mm. Spirituality, uh, uh, all that is like uh, what you call advanced mathematics. Mm. Yeah, you go and talk, talk about spirituality to a person selling vegetables here. That doesn't make anything. So, the real mm. question is how do those people behave? Mm. So, that is where, if you go into this, people feel, why the hell, what are you talking about? I, I don't know what I am talking about. I see that every day happening here. It's practical yes.
4: spirituality is that goodness in yes. man. Yes. Goodness in man. Which to, is believe,
2: to believe, to so, believe that… Yes. No, that must be what I call an innate feeling I must do good. Yes. If somebody is there, there must be a natural feeling I have to do help you. Yes. It is there. Yes. Without your saying, it is there. Yes. It shows up. But when it comes again and again, problems come again and again, they get what you call goodness
3: fatigue.
2: Yes. <laughs> this is a, uh, what is that? You, every day this happens. Mm. See, this is known. There are people who go charity donations when there is earthquake, fire etc. Every day there is a fire somewhere or the other. So they said, what is this? That is called charity fatigue. Yeah. But on the other hand, every time there is a calamity or something, Let's say a terrorist bombing or an earthquake. People come spontaneously, rush and help. Yes. Absolutely. What is it that makes them? That's yes. the spark of goodness, goodness inside. That is what now, spirituality we don't know. Is. The, we don't think of it. Well, that moment is over. But Swami says that's the light You should always keep looking at yes. it. Then the rest thing. There are no need for words, grammar, and all those because it's beyond yes. words. Yes. So we are trying to quantify and. Uh, put metric and all that but something I just follow it. Yes. And that is where when I see people here in the morning they, many of them sweep the roots. They yes. come on time they do the word they do it cleanly. Some don't do it. You see the difference. Yes. They take the broom they worship it and do it. Yes. Those are all old traditions. Their mothers taught them and it still continues. Not because of any preaching by you, me or anyone else. So, That is the, what you call, that, can that flame be nursed through the ages? Can I tell young people, if I tell, they won't do. If I do it, they may join me. There is a Chinese proverb. If you teach, I forget. If you show, I may remember. If you involve me, I will understand. Mm. Nobody does that. I don't know whether I said it last time, probably I did, about uh, a Pravachan man who used to demand a lot of money. Did I talk about ah, that? Yes, sir. So, yeah. That, yeah. that means separation of variables as you say, yes. <laughs> in mathematics. You can't mm. separate this. They are coupled yeah. variables. In yes. fact, there is only one if you look at it. That's why Gandhiji said life is one, you cannot factorize it and partition it and say they are mutually exclusive. They are not.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: In fact, I think that's why very beautifully making spirituality
1: simpler. Swami said, spirit of love is spirituality. And that to me... No, but
2: what happens is, everybody hears it, everybody tells everybody else and everybody tweets it to others. Too. <laughs> I have not seen that being practiced. Hmm. That is what worries me. Hmm. True. So, we, we, don't, we are so busy, we don't have time to practice. Hmm. Then that becomes a problem. The...
1: One practical way of doing uh, to see, are we you know, progressing on the spiritual path? Are we trying to do something which will help the coming generations, which will help our own selves? I feel is, if we can examine every day as we do every act, how selfless I am. I think that is something which will see, help us to...
2: First thing I will do is, forget the future generation. Hmm. Today's generation is suffering. What am I doing for it? Yes. So, this, I'll keep on talking. I'm looking after the future generation. Mm. That's a big humbug.
4: Take care and of the present. <laughs> as
2: one, the moment I say, I do this work so that it benefits you, it becomes a win-win game. The world as it is, is Darwinian. <laughs> Animal world is Darwinian, but it has got natural limits placed by uh, nature itself. When man becomes Darwinian, that is devilish. Darwinian means it's a winner take all. I heard once an interview between Farid Zakaria and a chairman of then chairman of Goldman Sachs, very famous investment banker in Wall Street. Goldman Sachs means that is the sort yes of yeah. pinnacle. Okay. So he said Farid Zakaria asked some questions. What about the poor people and all that? So Goldman Sachs says, look, Farid. <laughs> Ours is a winner-take-all system. Okay? So it's basically a zero-sum game. Some win, some lose. Now you ask what happens to the people who lose. That's a problem, isn't it? Now I'll tell you, our social groups, churches and all that must take care of them. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Fine. You get hurricane called Harvey. It goes to Texas. It hits there. And uh, it sits there and rains and rains for 10 days. Texas is a very rich state. It is the biggest state in the Union next to Alaska. And it has rained. It has cost enormous amount of damage. They say go- government uh, should disappear and all that. Now they are going to the government for help. Okay? so till then they were not very bothered about other people being hit by natural disasters so instead of worrying about helping and all that at one given time when you are hurt by such thing can we have a society where share and care goes on all the time 50% of your routine problems will disappear including crime and all those things Yes. so every day from morning to evening we are busy violating Dharma, hurting somebody or the other. We have no thought for helping. And then I read books, here it is said, who wants law? You want help. (laughs) In fact, in one discourse uh, in the 70s, uh, Swami
1: very beautifully says, there is no higher Dharma than compassion. Swami says, there is no greater gift than the gift of food to the hungry. And
2: there is no greater God than one's parents. Talking of concern... Yes, uh, Ra- Dr. Dardeep, who is in our yes. super hospital, yeah. he once said that uh, in some meeting with doctors, Swami said, "We use the word concern." Then Swami asked, "What is concern?" Culture is. Everybody said. Swami says, "Concern means no culture is uh, culture concern is, culture for is concern for others." Address. I beg your pardon. Mm. Culture, culture is concern for address. others. Yeah. So that is something. That is not divided by religion. Yes. They, they, there is a natural feeling about uh, that is peculiar to humans. We have not been able to value it properly. We are not able to appreciate. Sorry, I buttered in. No, I think
1: this whole uh, concept of uh, our education today, somehow uh, as Aristotle very beautifully said, we are educating the mind but without educating the heart and that is no education at all. And th- in fact, Swami refers to this in the second segment. If you if you, if you move on to the next segment, there Bhagwan uh, talks about the current yes. plight of uh, today's education system and why, you know, we are not able to have that kind of culture that our sages and uh, seers wanted us to have. So, shall we move on and listen to the next
2: segment, sir? No, but I want to talk about this education. Sure, sir. Uh, a famous president, US president called Theodore Roosevelt, mm. uh, was an arch conservative. He said, what you said just now in a different way about Aristotle. I don't know whether he said it. Mm -hmm. This man very clearly said, to educate a man in the mind and not in the heart is to Mm -hmm. produce a menace to society. Okay. Now, the education and all that we talk about. Umpteen lectures I heard, umpteen summer courses I attended, umpteen conferences. I avoid all these things. At the end of the day, a lot of, what I call, uh, words are produced. But nothing happens. So, we have to find out where that problem is and unlock that. I know this for a fact because, when I tried to do the uh, awareness classes, I found over a period of 7-8 years, how the interest of the students was decreasing. And they came to a stage, where they almost rebelled. We don't want these things. Or what use it, it does? I. This is clearly due to the ambience of society. What can I do about it? So, the next best thing is to get involved and do things. The only person who did this on a very large scale in modern times was President Kennedy. He asked his brother-in-law. I think his name was Shriver or something. And he started the Peace Corps. The government gave money. You go to some other country. Work there. We'll give you money. You do something to help them. Lot of people went to other countries. They mixed with the people, some small uh, water project in a village or some building a school, this, that. They came back and reached. What is that man who used to come from America or used to have a flat here and also record people? You know, for that American... Yeah, he used to put it on the net. Oh yes. uh,
1: yeah, uh, soldiers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Ted Henry. Ted Henry. Ted Henry.
2: He they, he he was one such person. And uh, I heard uh, one of the uh, uh, vice candidate for vice presidency, Democratic vice candidate, during the recent American election, who would have become the vice president had Hillary Clinton won. She's a uh, uh, I think his name is Tim Kane. He is a senator from Virginia. He speaks very good Spanish. So, he was brought in to get the Spanish vote. He learned Spanish because he went as a Peace Corps volunteer in Honduras and working with the people there, he learned Spanish. And uh, they, they, they came, they came even to, to join Jai Prakash Narayan because there was a very big famine in Bihar in the 60s. They came and worked with him. That is the sort of thing that we need to do. In a small way, we try to do it in Shiva. Yes. But then, you know, a university system cannot run that thing. But I am quite sure in a country with 1.3 billion people, if you could fund such a scheme, it would be bigger. That's why many people advised what you call NCC to be made compulsory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chibber and all road It's a great idea. Because they they will go and do social work and all that. Uh, but the uh, government said no because there is no money. W- I want you to note one thing. In all these things, wherever there is a natural disaster, very big natural disaster, in India also it is the same. In America it is the same. They even send people to other countries. They send the military. Do you know why? Military fellows yeah. are supposed to go and fight wars. <laughs> they send they are,
4: the military. They are disciplined and then they go and then help them for uh, Discipline. Uh, the, In military, discipline.
2: if an order is given, you obey it. There is no, what you call, uh, disobedience. Do this means do this. But as against this, I will tell you something that happened. With, just uh, 10 years ago. It is simply unbelievable. The country called Haiti is half of one island. One half is Dominican Republic, which is Spanish. Uh, it was uh, sort of colonized by the Spaniards. They speak Spanish. The other half belong to the French. They speak French. Due to poverty, they completely Wiped out all the trees. There are no trees. It's clean shave, More, better shave than in Tirupati. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a separate story. They had a most horrible earthquake sometime ago. Every country went there to help. But nothing happened, including America. Then the UN went there. It also didn't do anything. On the other hand, it created a problem. There had to be some soldiers to keep Lord and Order. They brought 5,000 soldiers from Nepal. And since they are from a poor third world country, they were just asked to manage themselves. So, they had to use the river for everything. And they had cholera bacteria in their system. It went into the water, Thousands of people died because of cholera which was not there. From there, it has spread to neighbouring countries. So, ultimately all the aid did not do any good for the people. There is a lesson in this which I shall come to in a minute. Now, Haiti tried to sue the UN. Now, you cannot sue the (laughs) UN because it's a sovereign body. Like every country is a sovereign body, you cannot sue a country so-called. But here, the UN not only refused, they sort of were rude to Haiti. Very recently, they said, we should not have been rude, at least we should apologize and say sorry. What is the meaning of saying sorry? Now, here is a classic example of too many people trying to do good, each with his own ego and all that. And ultimately, the Canadians had to build houses. They can build houses only if you remove the rubble. Nobody was there. That was supposed to be done by some country. They didn't do and all that. So finally, they called on the people, $10,000 Lelo do what you want. They walked out. The President's palace was demolished. He had no palace. <laughs> no army, nothing. So, when natural disasters like that strike you again and again and again, and you're helpless. After a while, they must manage. That's what he say. So, somewhere, we, we all are one, we elect everyone. All these become cliches. It's become very easy to do that. So, only when you are hit, you know what it is to be hit. That's the real problem. So, I don't know how we deal with this. How many people can you sensitize? I think... That's the problem.
1: That the, the, oh, the, the biggest example of this, as you mentioned about all this, I was just only reminded of uh, how Bhagwan reacted when he heard about the plight of uh, the poor people marooned with the floods in Orissa. The way Bhagwan reacted, I think th- those are the lessons that we need to learn. I mean, he has done so many projects like that, and if if we can take inspiration from that even a little, I think.
2: Uh, but not many people know about that. Nobody talks about it. It's not news. <laughs> That's the problem. That uh, in fact, I met a lot of. Uh, there was a, a peculiar situation about Godavari project. It was done, almost done underground. Godavari drinking water project. So, some lady asked me, "Swami is talking about Godavari project. When is it starting?" <laughs> I had gone there with Sai Prakash and spent three days in Rajmundry. L. N. T. Ramakrishna was there. He took me all over the place, including to the tribal area. How do I tell Ramadh? Okay, finish. The main reason is except for the Anantapur dist- the district water project, drinking water project, he had no inaugural ceremonies. Medak and Mahabhav Nagar, they built a place and all yeah. that. Swami yeah. said, he didn't say anything, he didn't go. Maybe Chennai got their next. <laughs> no, Chennai was also a funny story. I uh-huh. don't know that. There was no inauguration. No inauguration though, but at least uh, there was a public function. No, no. That is a a complicated story. Let the truth be told. You (laughs) heard it first on Radio (laughs) Sai. I'll tell you. That's what they say in America. With the case of um, Godavari, having gone there, I suggested a thing. Swami, you press a button by satellite and all that. Swami didn't say anything. Then He asked some people, go there, have bhajan, distribute prasadam, open the taps. That's all. It went unnoticed. In the case of Chennai, there was a lot of what you call interstate politics, to put it mildly. So, up to the Andhra Karna Tamil Nadu border, the project was done. Beyond that, it was not done. Then there was a change of government in Tamil Nadu. They said, why don't you, Sai Baba, why don't you do all these things? That was all done. But then, at some point, the citizens were asked to move, the Citizens mean what? You go to some fellows, fundraise and then have a function. And uh, Swami was invited. All the politicians decorated the stage. And uh, the ministers and their family and friends said, I was there. And Swami gave a talk. In fact, I remember one minister said, uh, you, so, Swami must now clean the Koom River. So, I wanted to say, Mister, Swami, the Kuom River is in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> See, the real the, no, but there. that is one of the things. The Koma River had actually been cleaned months before boats went there, but it got dirty in ten minutes. Very simple. All the poor people live on the river side. They have no place to go. They hutments. You clean it, they pollute it. That is a problem everywhere in the world. In Cambodia the uh, capital, Nampem, the river Mekongos. It's a very big river. Cambodia became very popular as a tourist destination. So, a lot of slums. This government forced them with military power to go some 20 kilometers Say They built houses. <laughs> they all complained. So, everybody said, why are you not happy? I said, look, when we were there, we were suffering, but at least we got jobs. The tourists were near us, we could do things. Now, you have put us 20 kilometers away. To come, I have to come by boat or something. I have to spend money. Where, a whole day is gone, here to go from here to that, that to here. So, in some cases, slum is life for me. That's what is happening in Dharavi in Mumbai. So, we have gone to an ecosystem where we have painted ourselves into a corner, they have painted themselves into a corner. And long and short of it is, with Swami's projects, there was a top-down approach and bottom-up approach. What is it that the people want? He paid attention to that. Mm. That is not there. That is exactly what was missing in Haiti. What is it that the poor are suffering from? There is a problem. The same thing is happening now in Puerto Rico. They brought a big American medical hospital ship. There is no way of taking them from here to that ship and there are all sorts of logistic problems. So, we are able to put man on the moon, but we are not able to solve these human problems. That is the weakness of the mind. Unless mind is coupled to the tank called Hara, love and compassion, yes thing as earlier also we have discussed and
1: you also mentioned it many times how all the problems are created by the mind but the solutions come from the heart <laughs> and that that is the only way to go about uh, mind cannot solve the problems, problems.
2: at Yes. right now I am seeing that every day yes in fact the,
1: that is what Bhagawan refers to in the next segment probably we'll m- move to that in the next session today <laughs> time is running out and we have to wind up the session for today um, but I think there was uh, the plenty to reflect um, and given all the examples that you gave about everything that is happening around the world um, because of our neglect uh, and how in these situations and in these circumstances Swami's message becomes so relevant taking inspiration from what Swami has done becomes so paramount if at all we want to make anything meaningful out of our lives or uh, you know, want in any way to be uh, a, an inch uh, even a little to be called like a side devotee even if we feel think that we are a side devotee or we know someone or if we pledge any association with Bhagwan, there is something that uh, we really need to do in terms of living up to this uh, uh, challenge not challenge it's a joy of of living up to a life of uh, selflessness I think that is what is ultimately dharma as Bhagwan says the 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 biggest dharma, there is no higher dharma than compassion and that is something that will uh, help us to uh, make Bhagwan proud. And that is would, would be our way of showing gratitude for whatever he has done.
2: Non-stop compassion. Non-stop Unquenchable compassion. Unquenchable compassion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Achita. Wonderful. So,
1: dear listeners, uh, uh, with that, it's time to wind up this segment. Thank you so much, uh, Prof. Raman and Dr. Shiv Sankar Sai, sir. Um, So please, when you have time, dear listeners uh, Please make the effort to open the pages of Prema Vahini And uh, go through them Because Swami is giving His Prema Vahini to each one of us When we open the pages and when we read and reflect There would be a message Tailored to our understanding Tailored to our situation Tailored to what is needed for us to become better individuals. And if you make that effort, Swami will definitely speak to us from within and guide us. So please do this exercise and please do share your insights and your reflections. And if you have any questions also on this discussion or anything concerning uh, the chapters in Prema Bhahani, please feel free to write to us. As always, you can write to listener at radiosci.org. With gratitude at Bhagwan's feet for enabling this session and for giving us this opportunity to ruminate on his immortal message we bring this session to a close thank you so much for being with
0: us Sairam you were listening to an episode of our program Vahini Satsang this episode was first aired on the 26th October 2017 as part of Thursday Live from Prasanthi Nilayam on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. This program was hosted by Bishu and Sai Prakash of Team Radio Sai. Thank you and Sai Ram.